Hi, I'm Mark Schroeder and welcome to my podcast. I'm a Christian who's convinced that the Bible is true and actually is the best way to get to know God, the one who has saved us in Jesus. This podcast is a collection of Bible bits and pieces, Bible talks that I've given in all kinds of contexts. You see, I'm an ordained Anglican minister working in Sydney, Australia as a college chaplain. My main role is to teach the Bible in a Peter 12 Anglican school. But also from time to time, I preach in church, I speak at youth groups, or I teach the Bible at other youth events. I hope that this podcast is a great way of you getting to know God a little bit better and helping you to figure out what it means to live for Him because of the saving work of Jesus Christ. Hi and welcome back. Uh, this next podcast is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, uh, and is another talk that I gave uh, in Senior School Chapel. Um, this is uh, just a, a wonderful passage, and uh, I love it so much personally. Um, and uh, to be honest, a little bit frustrated that you just don't have as much time. You can spend all day um, reading through these verses and just trying to, to get get a clear understanding of who Jesus is and what his supremacy means for us. Um, so uh, I just want to say that uh, um, this is a, a big bit of an overview, really, of, of, these, of these verses. Um, and I just, my aim of this talk uh, was to help students to understand that Jesus is supreme. Um, and so I would walk away knowing that Jesus has made all things, that Jesus rules all things, and Jesus saves all things. But uh, excitingly, Jesus also saves uh, you, the individual. Um, so uh, today, uh, as you listen to this, uh, grab your Bible out, um, follow along uh, in chapter 1, verses 15 to 23 from Colossians. Um, and, I, and I hope they encourage you um, to stand in awe of Jesus and to be comforted by Jesus because Jesus is no rookie. Um, he's the one who, who made all things and is completely and utterly supreme over all things. Uh, enjoy. Have you ever sat back and enjoyed the supreme before? Now, what I mean by that is, have you ever sort of just gone, this is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. And you sort of sit back and you get comfortable and you take that big breath in and then you just exhale and you're like, oh, this is awesome. Maybe maybe for you, it's something like one of these pictures up on the screen. Uh, So the top left picture is a guy fishing. Uh, You can see his bikes just next to him there. And he's got his beach fishing rod. He's sitting on the end of this wharf. The sun's setting, he's all rugged up with his hoodie on. Uh, He's just thrown a line in and he's sitting back in his plastic deck chair, just slowly click, 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 winding the hook in, hoping that he's going to catch his fish. I love this sort of thing when it comes to fishing. I I don't particularly care too much about catching the the massive big fish and cooking it up and eating it, although that's good. Uh, But I just love taking in the scenery while you're out on a fishing trip. Uh, even standing on the beach after throwing in the line and the line's out there somewhere and, the, and the, the water washes up and over your feet and washes back out into the ocean again and it keeps on doing that. Just that, that steady rhythm of the ocean. You can count on that, can't you? You can depend on that. And then as that's washing up, your feet slowly sink into the sand. You know that feeling? You can't stop it, can you? But this, your feet slowly sink into the sand and as the sun's setting or rising, or just in the middle of the day and the seagulls are flapping around and, and you're just taking the view. For me, I just go, this is it. This is great. This is supreme. Soak it in for all of its goodness. 
Maybe for you, you like bushwalking, that picture the top right, that person maybe they've been hiking all day and they've got to the top of this mountain and they can sit from the top and they can take in the view of the valley below, that view over the top of their toes, their leg, legs are crossed over there, you can see it. Maybe they're just soaking it in, enjoying the supremacy of the view and being out in the creation into the bush like that. Well, these two people, looks like they're sitting in the boot of a car, right? They're on a road trip. They've been singing, and I would walk 10, whatever, you know, that 500 miles. And then as they're cruising along, they've seen this canola field, or maybe it's a sunflower uh, field there. I can't quite tell from that picture. But they've gone, this is a beautiful view. Let's just pull over and let's just soak it up. And so they've climbed in the back of their boot, and they're sitting there together, just taking in the view and just enjoying the supremacy of the moment. The supremacy of the thing that's right there before them. Or maybe for you, 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 you don't really like the outdoors. And so for you to chuck on your slippers and to make your favourite warm beverage, maybe it's coffee, tea, hot chocolate, to then sit in front of a nice warm fire with your phone there ready to, ready to, to just flick through your favourite social pipes, look at your favourite photos or do some reading on your phone or or there's an iPad there as well and a TV remote. Maybe that person's going to do some massive multitasking in front of Netflix. But one way or another, this person is just sitting back and enjoying the supreme moment. There's something good about these things, isn't it? That when you've, you've got something that you really love or something that you really appreciate, you just to sit back and to soak it up and say, oh, this is awesome. This is so good. Well, today in Colossians, we're going to read about Jesus and we're going to see how supreme he is. Uh, this is a really technical part of Colossians and, and really we don't have enough time, uh, like there's not enough time in the day, I don't think, to be able to really flick through these verses, verses 15 to 23, and to get totally stuck into it. So we're going to take a really quick step through this passage, but hopefully as we read it together, you're going to be able to understand afresh, or maybe for the first time, just how supreme Jesus is. Uh, and hopefully, as you leave today, you're going to be willing to do something with the knowledge of Jesus' supremacy. Uh, let's pray together uh, as we come to look at this part of the Bible with one another. Please bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can pause now in our day uh, and we can consider you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help me as I speak uh, to speak clearly to these guys. Uh, and Lord, I pray that this group of students, that they would understand who Jesus is, how supreme he is, and that they would accept him as their Lord and King and Saviour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as I read verses 15 to 23 of Colossians chapter 1, I see that there's like four main sections that stand out to me. Uh, I've highlighted them there um, in those colours. So verses 15 to 16 is the first one, 17 to 18 is the second one, 19 to 20 is the third one, and then 21 through to 23 is the last section that we're going to look at today. So the big idea is Jesus is supreme, but let's see how Jesus is supreme. Okay, and let's soak him up for his supremacy. The first one is Jesus is supreme, verses 15 to 16, because Jesus made all things. This is what the Bible says. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. See, do you notice the very first thing that it says here about Jesus, the Son? That is that Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. Hand up if you looked at the mirror this morning. Oh, that's good. I'm glad hands went up. 
Uh, so, you know, you look in the mirror and what do you see when you look in the mirror? You see yourself, don't you? You look into the mirror and you see your very self. Sure, it's a reflection, but it is exactly you. It's one and the same thing, right? Uh, And so it is with Jesus. When we look at Jesus, Paul says to the Colossians, this is Jesus and Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. The God that we can't necessarily see, but we know he's here because we have actually seen Jesus. So when you see Jesus, Paul is saying, you see God. And what do we know about this Jesus? Well, he is the firstborn over all creation. He is the one, in fact, verse 16, who in him all things were created. This is the Jesus, the the creator God from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, what did he do? Create the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in Colossians, it's saying here that this same Jesus, this Jesus is this same God rather. And in fact, it says all things were created by him. Which things? Well, things in heaven and on earth. That's not talking about the heavenly kingdom heaven. That's just talking about everything above, right? Everything in the sky, in the heavens, everything on the earth below. Okay, so this is everything in our world. Even the things that you can see and the things that you cannot see, Jesus created them. Even the authorities and those people that are in charge, Jesus created them. Thrones and powers and rulers and authorities. In fact, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. This Jesus is the creator of everything. Jesus is the creator God. And Jesus is supreme. In fact, verse 17, he is before all things And in him, all things hold together. And we're going to look at those verses now and see that Jesus not only creates all things, but Jesus actually rules over all things. Verses 17 to 18, let's read on. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. You see here, he is before all things. Now, that doesn't mean that he was created first, because that would contradict what we've just read about Jesus, right? How can Jesus be created before all things while also being the creator of all things? That before word, that's talking about a ranking, an order of priority, like the one that's in charge. Mr. O'Connor is before all things in this school, right? He is the top dog, Well, Jesus is the top dog. He is the number one guy. He is the one who is before all things, who's in charge of all things, who has the top ranking and priority and privilege and the highest status of all things because this Jesus is the God of all things and the creator of all things. And actually in him, it says, all things hold together. Jesus is like the very glue that keeps everything together and so it doesn't fall apart. He maintains everything. But not just all things out in that world, but if we think specifically as well, verse 18, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's in charge of God's people. He is also the head of even life itself, right? He's the firstborn from among the dead. He's the very first one to come back from the dead and bring in this new wonderful promise of life forever for anyone who would believe in his name. Jesus is supreme over all things, but Jesus rules all things so that in everything he would be supreme. He would have the supremacy at the end of verse 18, it says. That's pretty impressive, right? 
for Jesus to be identified here to us as the creator of all things, but actually as the ruler of all things. But there's a problem, right? And the problem is that not all things, or all things do not give Jesus the honor as the king. All things do not worship him as king or obey him as the king. So, Jesus is supreme because Jesus actually saves all things. That's the third thing we're going to learn here in this passage. Jesus is supreme because he saves all things. So, Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, God is pleased to step in. God is pleased to save. And the way that God has saved is by fully dwelling among us, by becoming a complete man. Jesus is God completely in the flesh. Fully God, fully man. He fully dwelt in Jesus. That's what it says there. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. Not just some of it, but all of it. And then when he came, when God came as man, what did he do? He has reconciled to himself all things. Reconciled is not the kind of word that you guys might use out in the schoolyard. I doubt you'd even use it in English. But reconciliation is the idea that when you were once friends and although you have had this bust up and an argument, when you are reconciled, you make up and you become friends once again. You were enemies, but then you were brought back together again. And isn't that astounding when you consider who has done the reconciling in this passage? God has done the reconciling in this passage. God is the one who was right. We were the ones that were wrong. And yet God has fully dwelled among us. And then God has reconciled us to himself. This Jesus, this God, is the one who has made things right with you. Actually, not just with you, but it says there what? All what? All things. Whether things on heaven, in, in the heavens or in the earth. And he did that when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood for us. Which is what we remember in a couple of weeks come Easter. Jesus died on the cross. He took away your sins and he has brought life to you so that you can be friends with God again. You've heard that before, right? That's reconciliation. But this is nice, isn't it? You know, Jesus has made all things. Jesus rules all things. Jesus saves all things. But what about you sitting in this red chair in your Broughton uniform? What about you, the individual? What has this got to do with you? Well, in this last section, we see that Jesus has actually saved you individually. In verses 19 to 20. Let's read it. It says, And although you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, engaged with your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, then do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. You see, Paul now turns his attention to the Colossians. He talks about all things, doesn't he? But now he zooms in, 
gets a microscope out and focuses in on them and says to them that while you were alienated from God, while you were enemies in your minds, and when you were engaged in evil behavior, this is a disregard of God that we had, that the Colossians had. Alienated, the idea of separation, being a stranger, not green with antennas and big googly eyes, but alienated. If you ever rock up to MacArthur Anglican randomly just to hang out, you're an alien there because you belong to Broughton. Uh, but you go to the MacArthur School, you're an alien, you're an outsider, you're a stranger. Well, to God, we are aliens to God because of our sin. We are enemies to God because of our evil behavior, which is a weird thought, by the way. Just pause there and think about the fact that the Bible describes us before Jesus as evil. Because as I think about myself, I go, I'm really not that evil. I mean, I do some bad things from time to time. I, I don't always do the right thing. I might speed or I might disregard somebody's opinion arrogantly or I might um, not love my wife like I should, whatever, whatever it is. But the thing is, the Bible says that we are all evil to God because of our disregard of him as the king. Don't think that just because you don't go and do something terrible, tragically like that horrible thing that we saw in New Zealand the other week, to think, no, that's, that's evil, I'm pretty good. No, no, we are all evil in God's eyes because of our sin. We all need God to step in and to save us. And the good news is that verse 22 says that although we've been engaged in evil behavior, but now God has reconciled us, reconciled you. He's made you friends with God again through Jesus' physical body, through his death. And what that does at the end of the day is that makes you holy in God's sight. It means that you're set apart, special for him, that you are without blemish. There's no smudge of sin on you anymore. You are clean to God's sight now because of Jesus. And you are free from accusation. God will not point the finger at you when you rock up to heaven's gate, so to speak, and say, you sinner, I just see sin. He won't do that anymore because Jesus has come. And he sees Jesus and the forgiveness that's in him. You are free from accusation. This is good, right? But it seems like there's a little bit of a catch in the rest of this verse. Because it's one thing to know that Jesus is supreme, that he made everything, that he saves all things, and that Jesus has saved us. But you've got to do something. You've got to continue in what you know. Look at what he says in verse 23. See, you've got holiness and without blemish and free from accusation, but you've got to continue in your faith, says Paul. Be established and firm and not moving from the hope that we have had held out to us in the gospel. Broughton, there's a responsibility that we have to this supreme Jesus. See, Paul teaches four simple things. Number one, he teaches that Jesus is supreme. That's a big idea. But then under that, number one, that Jesus made all things. Number two, Jesus rules all things. Number three, that Jesus saves all things. And number four, wonderfully, that Jesus saves you. So be saved by the supreme Jesus. That's the urging, right? Be saved by supreme Jesus. But then also continue on living for supreme Jesus as somebody who's been made holy and without blemish and without accusation. Continue on in this good knowledge of Jesus, actually believing it and living it out with supreme Jesus as your king. 
I think also I can't help but read these verses and then be left standing in awe of Jesus. So like that guy fishing on the wharf or the person sitting in the boot taking the sunset. I'm left in light of the supremacy of Jesus going, wow, Jesus is incredible. I hope that's the same for you as well. That you actually get, for, for again maybe, to understand afresh just how good Jesus is. So stand in awe of him. But also I want to say, be comforted by the supremacy of Jesus. Because all of a sudden, I reckon that as I read this, that Jesus is the supreme one, that there's no way that I'm ever going to be supreme. And so I get to rest in the supremacy of Jesus. So because Jesus is supreme, you don't have to be supreme. Because Jesus is supreme, I don't have to be supreme. All I need to do is just to know that I am found in Jesus. And that's where my identity is. Although I was an alien, now I am one of God's people. I don't need to be supreme anymore. I can trust in Jesus. Paul says, Jesus is supreme. He made all things. He rules all things. He saves all things. And Jesus saves you. I hope today you'll stand in awe of Jesus and that you will be comforted by him. And that will help you as you do your studies today but that will help you as you live out your life in this world and that you will continue in Jesus all the days of your life. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Uh, I hope that was an encouraging opportunity for you to learn something more from God's Word about how He has loved us and how He has saved us and who He calls us to be in Jesus. Feel free to get in contact with me via Twitter at MRK underscore Schroeder.